say I do call. What am I supposed to say to them? Well, just say what's ever on your heart. Gee, that'll happen. What are you so afraid of? I'm afraid that they'll give me exactly what I deserve, which is rejection and a side of humiliation. Well, yeah, that's probably you've got it coming, but um, they might forgive you. Yeah. Why would they do that? Well, I don't know. It's Christmas time. Why don't you call them and find out? I get a minute to think about that. Sure. Yeah? All right. Sure. I'll call. Just pick up the phone, dial their number, and talk to them. Not like it's the hardest thing I've ever had to do in my life. I'm still here, you know. Yeah, I know. Mom, is that you? Mom. Truman. Yeah, I'm still alive. Yeah. Yeah, I'm, I've been doing okay. I've, I've been working a lot. Yeah. Listen, how, how are you? Oh, that's great, Mom. How about Dad? Yeah. Church? Uh, where at? Same church I grew up in. Yeah. Yeah. I would love to come to church with you. Okay. 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 Eight o'clock. Yeah. I'll be there. Yeah. Thank you, Mom. Yeah, I love you, too. Okay. So? Yeah, I'm not going. (laughs) Why not? Because it's church. And trust me, I I know what I can handle. And calling my mom after far too long and going back to church in who knows how long on the same day is way more than I can handle. Yeah, but you got to hand it to them. They want you to come. Maybe so, but it's too hard. Truman, go to church. Why? Because it's what you need. How do you know what I need? Oh, I just know stuff. (laughs) And are you going? I'll be there in spirit with you. Uh, All right, all right, all right, all right, all right. Excellent. But I'm, I'm not singing. <laughs> I think we've all had that experience. <clears throat> Going home can be difficult at times, and 
Maybe even for some of you here tonight, it was difficult to come home and maybe even to come to church. But I just want to tell you once again that uh, you are welcome here. And we trust that each of you will experience God's grace. Well, we'll visit Truman a little bit later, but uh, I want to start by reading you something that's pretty fascinating. On December 17th, 1903, Orville and Wilbur Wright made their first flight of an airplane at Kitty Hawk, North Carolina. On their fifth attempt, their plane under the control of Wilbur, excuse me, Orville, embarked on a 12-second flight. Wilbur rushed to the local telegraph office and the following message was telegraphed to his sister. We have flown for 12 seconds. We will be home for Christmas. Upon receiving the telegram, their sister, Catherine, went to the newspaper office and told the editor of her brother's new flying machine and, in, and said that they were going to be home for Christmas and that he could set up an interview with them if he wanted to. Well, he told her he was nice, what, what the, she, her message, and that he would be happy to put something in the paper about the boys. On December 19th, two days later, the local paper placed the following headline on the sixth page of the paper. Wright Brothers Home for Christmas. And that was it. The most important story of the year, man's first flight, was trumped by Orville and Wilbur coming home for Christmas. Now, a lot of people use that illustration to indicate how we've kind of missed the message of Christmas. We get all wrapped up in tinsel and toys, George Bailey and the Grinch, stockings and Santa. And that's probably true at some level, but I look at that story in a different light. In the town of Kitty Hawk, North Carolina, 1903, the town was really excited about Wilbur and Orville coming home for Christmas. It was big news, even bigger to them at that time than the flying machine. Coming home for Christmas really matters. Now, let me ask you, we've got a lot of people here tonight. How many of you have come home from somewhere for Christmas? Raise your hands. Okay. Quite a few of you, okay? Coming home for Christmas. Well, can we say to you, welcome. I'm sure your families have already told you, welcome, that uh, there's this um, deep need in each and every one of us. I think kind of a, a homing instinct, uh, especially at Christmas. I, I have so many memories, I'm sure you do too, of growing up at home. Um, we lived in uh, Crest, a small community in east of San Diego. We had a small house and a large family, and I remember my mother playing Christmas music starting in September, but in those days it was Johnny Mathis and Perry Como and Bing Crosby. I'll be coming home for Christmas, all of the great things. We, we'd go to Christmas Eve service. My mom would make clam chowder. Don't ask me how that started, but uh, all of those memories and things were about coming home for Christmas. I think all of us have this deep desire to be home for the holidays. On this festive Christmas Eve, may I say to each and every one of you, welcome home to your families, welcome home to church, and welcome home to Jesus. Some of you are back with your families for the first time. Maybe you've been away at college or you've moved away and you're back home with mom and dad. But you've come home for the holidays and we want to say to you, welcome. 
In a book by Robert Ardrey, entitled The Territorial Imperative, we read about a bird called the Shearwater Manx, indigenous to Skokholm Island off the coast of Wales. The Manx was transported by a Cambridge scientist by jet to Harvard University 3,000 miles across the Pacific, excuse me, the Atlantic. The bird was tagged and released by a group of Harvard zoologists. The Manx was back in its burrow in Skokholm Island. Twelve and a half days later, the bird traveled an average of 244 miles a day across the ocean to get back home. Why is it we have that uh, instinct in us, that homing instinct to get back home? But like it is with Truman, sometimes going home can be very very difficult. Um, as I said, I grew up in San Diego, and when I was a youth pastor many years ago now, um, myself and another youth pastor used to be involved in uh, a ministry called Operation Night Watch. And what it was is we would go down to the city rescue mission in downtown San Diego. We put on clerical collars, even though we weren't Catholic, we would put on these clerical collars to identify us as clergy. I think that was so we wouldn't get beat up, but I don't really know why we did that. But we put on these clerical collars and then we would go downtown city from 10 o'clock at night until the bars closed in those days in the, in the 1970s at 4 a.m. We would go and we just hang out at the bars and we'd go in there, order a Coke and just sit there and we'd never do anything except just sit there. And you can't believe how many people came to us to talk to us. We never approached anyone, but they always came and talked to us. On this one Friday night, uh, Friday before Christmas, I think Christmas was on a Sunday or Monday that year, uh, we were doing this, and we went into this bar, we sat down, and after a few moments, one of the dancers, uh, a, a gal, came down, she sat down at our table, she put her head down on the table, and she just burst into tears. And we heard her story. A few years before, she had come to San Diego to go to San Diego State, uh, she'd gotten involved with the wrong kids. Uh, she got involved in drugs, in prostitution, in exotic dancing, all of those things that just kind of really took her off course. And as she told her story, uh, Dennis was with me. We said, uh, would you like to, her family was in Cincinnati, would you like to go home? No, I can't do that. My parents would hate me. They would never forgive me. They would have no reason to, they don't even know that I'm doing this. I, I just couldn't go home. And we talked to her, we talked to her, finally we convinced her. And we took her directly to the bus station. We bought her a bus ticket to Cincinnati. We put her on the bus and she took off. Well, we didn't know what was going to happen. We left her our contact information. But about a week later, we got a note from her parents. And they said, thank you so much for sending our daughter home. And she was home with her family. And even though sometimes it feels like you're not going to be welcome, it feels like it's, you're not going to, you haven't done the right thing, there's still that sense that coming home for Christmas really matters. When Jesus was born, a miracle occurred. And a prophecy was fulfilled by Zephaniah, the prophet. And this is what the Lord said to Joseph. At that time, I will gather you. At that time, I will bring you home. Maybe that's a message for some of you here tonight, that you can go home for Christmas. I believe this is a Christmas message for many of us. He wants you to come home to your families, and maybe in more ways than just to open presents and renew acquaintances. Maybe it has to do with uh, building a bridge, like Truman and his family. Maybe it has to do with asking for forgiveness or making amends. 
Maybe it has to do with reconciliation and forgiveness. Come home to your families. Come home with a heart of forgiveness and reconciliation. Maybe you're with someone here tonight, a, a child or a, a son or a parent or a grandparent, and maybe you've had not the best relationship. But even right now, you can even take their hand and just squeeze it, and by doing that, saying, I love you. Maybe some of you need to write a letter or send an email or a text or go old school and actually pick up a phone and call somebody and say, Mom, I'm sorry. Dad, I'm sorry. Son, I'm sorry. I did the wrong thing. Christmas is a time for reconciliation. Christmas is a time for forgiveness. Christmas is a time to, re- to renew your family vows. The Bible says in Colossians 3.13 that we are to forgive as Christ has forgiven us. We just want to invite you to come home to your families today. Come home to your family for Christmas. Uh, last uh, week, uh, last Monday, in fact, a week ago today, uh, Sherry and I had to go over to Los Angeles to do a funeral for an aunt of mine. And, um, and we were happy to do that. And being over there with some family we hadn't seen for a long time, two of our uh, like uh, cousins that are um, both in their 30s, they were the grandsons of Aline who passed away. Uh, their names are Dane and Sean. And they had had an argument five years ago. These kids are both in their 30s now. They'd argue, had an argument five years ago, and they hadn't spoken to each other for five years. And so I remember watching them at the after uh, meal when we were together in the family. I remember watching them kind of stay away from each other, and then eventually they got, came together, and you could see them talking. And you could see them kind of softening. Even their bodies were kind of loosening a little bit. And then after a while, they embraced. And there was this reconciliation and this forgiveness. And, man, that's what God wants for each of us. If you have something that you need to say or do to a family member, tonight, Christmas Eve, is the time to do it. Come home to your family for Christmas. There's another homecoming, and it's this. Welcome home to your church. Now, some of you have been a part of this church for many, many years. And you've been away to college, or you've been away, or you've moved away, and you've come back tonight. Some of you don't go to this church regularly, but you've been away from church for a long, long time. And I'm sure some of you, just like Truman, thought, man alive, I don't know what to expect. Are these people going to be goofy? Are they going to, I mean, we, church people are goofy. But I, I mean, are they going to be weird to me? Are they going to treat me strangely? What am I going to do? There was a wonderful article in the St. Paul Pioneer Press, a, a paper from the mid-Twin Cities, uh, a religion writer by the name of Clark Morphew uh, wrote these words a few years ago, and it was entitled, Now More Than Ever, Don't Be Afraid to Come Home for Christmas. Let me read you a couple of paragraphs. Here's the scene. You've just come home for Christmas and a visit with your aging parents, and they tell you that they want you to go to the midnight church service on Christmas Eve. You wince. It's not that you have anything against church or your Lord Jesus Christ. Rather, you worry about what the preacher will say in the sermon about Christians who worship only on Easter and Christmas. Some people call them priesters. The last time, about three years ago, you got burned and went home feeling guilty. So you are wary, but you comply and the dreaded night comes. You, mom and dad, head out for church in the old sedan, a short drive down the snow-covered streets. It was in St. Paul, Minnesota. Snow-covered streets decorated brightly for the holidays. The liturgy is said, 
And the moment comes when the preacher, a gentle-looking woman in a white robe, ascends the pulpit, a veritable angel in disguise. She looks down on her congregation, and she smiles. You have come home, she says softly. You have come home to be with your families. You have come home to Jesus. I am so glad you're here. And then she begins to applaud. And the entire congregation joins in with a a wave of sound that pours over your body, mind, and soul. It's been so long since you felt welcome in church that what you feel is a tickling in the area of your spine. The waves of emotion spread up your torso. Your eyes get a bit of water in the corners. You look at your mother and father and they smile at you. And you know that you have finally found home. Now more than ever, don't be afraid to come home for Christmas. Can I say this to each and every one of you? Especially those of you that have been gone for a long time from this church or another church. And it's this. Welcome home. You will find no condemnation here. You will find no judgment. You will find no finger pointing. You will only find warm wishes, a firm handshake, a heartfelt embrace. Welcome home to the church. Welcome home to Hope Covenant Church. When our kids were small, uh, I served a church in San Diego. I was just a young pastor. I had no clue what I was doing. So one of the things I agreed to do was do an 11 o'clock Christmas Eve service and then the next day to a 10 a.m. Christmas morning service. You know, put a gun to my head. I had no idea what I was doing. Well, this Christmas, I was doing that. So after the Christmas Eve service, I'm in my office at one o'clock in the morning trying to figure out what to say in just a few hours that these people that have been Christians for a hundred years have already know. And I just didn't know what to do. So as I was kind of pouring over that, there was a knock on my door. And I went over there and here's this young man. At that time, he was about my age, but he was a Marine. And uh, he had to leave, but he had nowhere to go. And so he'd wandered into where I live in Spring Valley. Um, uh, he'd been bar hopping that night, tried to find some comfort there, some friendship, could find nothing. But he, what he really remembered was his family and his church and the things that he wanted to be a part of. So he said he was walking along the street trying to find another bar. And he looked up and on this hill, there was a lighted cross. And he said, something made me just I was drawn to that, and I just started moving towards that. Well, that lighted cross was on top of our church. That wasn't a large church, but it was a lighted cross. And so he walked up this hill, and he knocked on my door. And sure enough, here's some young guy that's clueless in there trying to study. And we sit down, and we have the most wonderful conversation. And I just tell him about Jesus and how Jesus has his arms open to him and he doesn't have to be afraid and and his family misses him and he needs to contact his parents. And and it was just so wonderful that he felt welcome home to the church. Sometimes we have to literally remember what the prophet said when he said, I will bring you home. I will bring you home. So tonight, brothers and sisters in Christ, Welcome home to your family. Welcome home to church. And finally, most importantly, I just want to say this. Welcome home to Jesus. Now, I say that because I know him pretty well. I've known him for 48 years. I met Christ when I was 16 years old. And I know because of my own life that there have been times when I have strayed. There have been times when I've gotten off the rails. There have been times when I have sinned so blatantly that I thought God would never love me again. And every single time, 
Every single time, Jesus had his arms wide open to me and said, Dwayne, welcome home. We want you to come home. But pastor, you don't know how far off the trail I've gotten. Well, yes, I do, because I've done the same thing. Jesus would say, welcome home. I love you. I will never let you go. The Bible says, and I, I mentioned this on Sunday, yesterday, the Bible says that his, Jesus' love is set upon you. And that's an old wrestling term for the fact that it was a wrestling term that when something was set upon you, you were pinned to the mat. Jesus' love pursues you. Jesus' love set, is set upon you. It pins you. It chases you. God is the, the God of the hound of every man. He will chase you and chase you. He will never let you go. He loves you. Pastor Barb said, and as she lit the candle, that there's this wonderful story in the Bible about the prodigal son. Most of you know that story. Even if you didn't grow up in the church, you've heard of the prodigal son. Guy took half of his family's wealth, went out and spent it. The Bible says in ridiculously, in ridiculous ways, spent all of his money. And he came back to his father, hoping that not that he would be accepted as a son. He never expected that. But he just hoped that he would be accepted as a, as a ranch hand, as a, that he would have a job, that he would have some way to make some money. But the Bible says when the son was coming back, and he was still a long way away, that the father saw him. How did that happen? Well, I think it's because he was watching. The father saw him, went running out to him, embraced him, and literally couldn't stop kissing his head. Now, that's not the way you would usually welcome home a kid who had spent all of your wealth and lived a ridiculous kind of life. But that's exactly the kind of love the Father has for you. See, you and I, we are those prodigal sons and daughters. We have gotten off the trail. We have said no to God so many times that we think, well, maybe he just stopped listening. But Jesus is there with his arms wide open saying, you are welcome. Waiting for you. He wants to lavish you with grace and forgiveness and love. And I know some of you would say, but man, you don't know how broken my life is. You don't know how bad my sin is. Well, the Bible says that there is nothing you can do that is bigger than the love of God. There is no law that you can break that is, war that is bigger than the love of God. There is no sin you can commit that is bigger than the love of God. His love is deep and wide and far-reaching to each and every one of you. Just like the Father, I would say to each and every one of you, welcome home, son. Welcome home, daughter. Welcome home to Jesus. Jesus has made a way. And the way he has made is by dying for your sins on the cross. The Bible says that Jesus took all of your sins as if they were his own. Like he took them as his possession. And then with those sins, he embraced those and he died for those sins. And instead of you having all of those sins, he gives you his love and his grace and his mercy. And he gives you a reason for living. He gives you the gift of eternal life. You can start living for eternity right now. You don't have to wait. That's the gift he wants to give to you. I want to close with this uh, one last story. Uh, there was a, a teenage boy that lived at home and like many teenage boys was very rebellious. He rebelled against his parents' faith, against their love, against their church. He rebelled against everything. He just wanted out. But he decided he would stick around for his 18th birthday because somewhere along the, 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 the trail, he got the idea that his parents were going to buy him a car for his 18th birthday. 
So it comes, and his birthday happened to be on December 23rd, two days before Christmas. So it comes to his birthday, and uh, they bring him out as his gift, and, and they hand it to him, and it's in a small box, and he's thinking, well, that's all right. That could probably still be some keys or something. So he opens up the box, and there's a Bible in there. And he is furious. He said, you don't respect my wishes at all. You give me this Bible. That's what you give me for my birthday. That's what you want to get. He threw the Bible down. He walked out of the home and he was gone and out of touch with them for 10 years. 10 years. 10 years later, he's married. He has a couple of kids and his wife has just been begging him. You've got to go home. You've got to call your parents. You've been gone for 10 years. It's not fair. What they did to you might have hurt your feelings, but come on. 10 years, you've got to go back to your family. And so they did. They came back to the family for Christmas. And they had this great Christmas celebration. And mom and dad said, son, we want to give you something. We want to give you a gift, a combination birthday gift and Christmas gift. And so they bring him this box, same size that they had given him 10 years before. He opens it up and there's the same Bible. But this time he opens up the Bible up and inside the Bible are the keys to a car that were the, And that car has been sitting in the garage for 10 years, never been driven. So it's still good to go. But 10 years, how often do we say no to a gift? And it's the exact gift that we really need. How often do we say, I don't really want that, but it's the one thing that will bring us happiness and joy. You see, the, the tre- treasure that he wanted, the car was found in the Bible. It was found in a book like this. The treasure he wanted was found in here. And that's what the gospel is. That the treasure you want, peace, joy, forgiveness of sins, eternal life, that thing that every human being wants, that gift that you want, is found in only one place, and that is in Jesus Christ. It's found in Jesus Christ. Jesus said, I am the way the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father except by me. Well, folks, we're going to um, take a look and see what's happened to Truman now, and then we'll close with prayer. So let's see what happened. had a good time, didn't you? I had a good time. I had a blast. I know. I saw you. My parents uh, my parents invited me over for Christmas breakfast tomorrow morning. That's awesome. And my sister, she's so grown up now. And my kid brother, he's a good young man. Mom looks great, too. You've missed them, haven't you? Yeah. Great. Hey, let me tell you something. Uh, Pastor kept talking about Jesus and why he came to earth. And I've heard that story a thousand times, but I think 
I think I get it. I think I finally get the whole Jesus thing. That's excellent, Truman. Yeah. You're a pretty cool... You're pretty cool. Well, you're a pretty cool dude yourself, Truman. We should talk more often. I think we should. But not tonight. No. no I gotta get to sleep. Lots to do tonight. I wanna be ready for Christmas breakfast with my family. Good night. Good night, Truman. Uh, Truman? It's good to be home, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, it is. Would you bow your heads with me?